Hey, good morning, Grumlaw. For, for those of you that I have not had the privilege of meeting yet, my name is Jason Lowen. I'm the church starting apprentice around here. And I don't know about you guys, but, but this series has just been awesome. I mean, I, I, I love what Shay said last week about the trueness of Jesus. Man, it, it's su- such a great reminder. I know that our hope is that through this series, uh, as we look at the different characteristics of God, that, that it really drives us to a more intimate uh, place in our relationship with the Lord where, where we say, I love you, right? And, and, and if you missed uh, last week, uh, I'd really encourage you to go check out grumlaw.com slash messages, or you can go to Grumlaw Church anywhere you guys grab your podcast. Uh, when, when Shay asked me uh, to speak on the faithfulness of God just a, a couple of months ago, uh, especially with 2020 winding down, I don't know about you guys, but man, I, I just started thinking through like all the things uh, that, that, had, that God had done and just the reminders of God's faithfulness. Uh, it might seem kind of weird, but like it even goes back to like in April when I blew out my knee. I mean, it just totally wrecked it. But then inside three weeks, was able to get in and get surgery. I mean, just basically miraculous at any time, but especially during uh, lockdown. And, and there's been so many examples of God's faithfulness as we are preparing to start Union Flint from like getting key partners like Grumlaw uh, and, and a bunch of other churches and organizations to, to kind of walk with us and, and get behind us uh, to an absolutely incredible launch team. Uh, and, then, and then like a location, a place that we're meeting. I mean, just example after example after example of God's faithfulness. But, but there's also a ton of stories from the Bible that come to mind uh, as I think of God's faithfulness. And there's this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, something that this guy named Moses uh, wrote. And, and this guy, Moses, he's seen God's faithfulness for like over a hundred years in a very personal, intimate ways. And, and he writes this, he, he writes, he is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love, keeping his covenant of love for a thousand generations. Uh, And the thing about God's faithfulness and capturing stories of God's faithfulness uh, is that it's intended to be like a source of comfort for us. Like, especially when we're in the middle of it, especially when like the storms of life are like crashing around us. I mean, his faithfulness, his, his presence is absolutely everything. Uh, so, so I've actually asked uh, Josh and John to come out here this morning and, and help me out with this message. Uh, and partly because there's this incredible song that's just had like a lot of, a lot of uh, impact in my life. Uh, it's called Another in the Fire. Would you guys mind just singing through the first verse and chorus? Yeah, There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in When I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me There was another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever need reminded Of how I've been set free There is a cross that bears a burden Where another died for me There is another in the fire another in the fire oh. 
so so this reference another in the fire obviously the title of the song and then uh the first lyric and the chorus uh, it, it's actually a historical, like biblical reference uh, from, from this, this passage in Daniel chapter 3. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. And just for some, some basic background, especially if you're new to this whole like church, spiritual exploration thing, what, what we call the Old Testament is actually the first half of the Bible. And it, and it tracks the nation of Israel uh, from, from its origins with this guy named Abraham. And uh, at this particular point uh, in history, the, the Babylonian empire uh, was ransacked uh, the, the Babylonian Empire ransacked and enslaved the people of Israel. And uh, what, what they had done is they took the best and the brightest from the nation of Israel. They brought them uh, into the Babylonian system and tried to get them to fall in love with this like new extravagant, like opulent way of life. Uh, they even put some, some key leaders uh, into positions of power, leadership, and influence uh, inside the emp- empire. But what, uh, what the, these men, what these boys quickly learned uh, was that it was more than just simply falling in love with this new way of life. Uh, the, the desires of the empire were, were just so incredibly distorted. To, to the extent uh, that the Babylonian king, I mean, he wanted to control absolutely everything. And he knew uh, that, that if he were able to, uh, to strip the, the Jews, these Jewish boys, these Israelites, if, they, if he was able to strip away uh, their spiritual religious heritage, that he could in fact control the entire people group. Uh, and so this morning, we're actually going to read through all of uh, Daniel chapter 3. It's, it's just such an incredibly powerful story. So let's check this out. King Nebuchadnezzar made, it, made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. When you hear the sound of musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from, the, from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as, they were, uh, as he threw the men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. 
But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the doors of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. <laughs> Man, what, what an incredible, what a powerful story of God's faithfulness. Okay, okay so I, I got a question for you, Josh. Like, uh, with, with, with this story as the background for, for that lyric and really for the whole song, mm -hmm. like when you sing this song, like what does it do in your heart? Or maybe to put it another way, like how does the past faithfulness of God impact your life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, anytime I'm singing a worship song like this, I want to uh, put my mind in that space of how God has been faithful. And certainly a story like this of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a great reminder of that, but also thinking about how God has been faithful in my life you know, through different circumstances that I've faced, you know, times of doubt and fear and anxiety and those things that we all face. We all face those fires in our life. And so when I sing the words of a song like that, it's just a reminder of all those things of how God has been faithful and that whatever I face now and into the future, he is going to continue to be faithful to me. Yeah. Amen. That's awesome. You know, the, these, these three guys, like they had crazy confidence in the faithfulness of God. Like, I mean, it's, it's pretty evident in the story that, that their, their rescue wasn't promised. I mean, they knew that they were facing like imminent death. Uh, and, and I don't know, like maybe what, what each of you guys have like been going through. Uh, John, I'm just curious for you, like how, how does their example in, in, of confidence in the faithfulness of God, like how has it impacted like what you're going through? Yeah, man, I mean, I think, the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then really just the example, we don't have time to talk about all of them, of people throughout the Bible have been so, so important for me, um, just even in the past few months. Jason, you know this a little bit, but man, I've been struggling with depression in, in a way that I never thought was possible. <laughs> I mean, it sucks. It sucks. And I mean, looking back on people's God's faithfulness throughout the Bible, looking back on God's faithfulness throughout my life, um, that's really the only way that I've made it through, made it to where I am right now. Um, because he is good, and when he says that he's going to keep his word, he does. Um, and man, I mean, I, I don't, if you don't have that to hold on to, I really don't know where I would be. So, yeah. Thank, Thanks for being willing to share that. I appreciate it, both of you guys. Um, would you guys mind uh, just singing through that chorus again? I, it's just so powerful. Definitely. Was another in the fire Standing next to me There was another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever need reminding Of how I've been set free Where another died for me There is another 
Thanks, guys. No, it, it, it makes me wonder if, if these three guys, is there like, I mean, they're standing toe to toe with King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, if, if maybe what they were thinking about, maybe even like talking to each other about was, was some of these stories of the past faithfulness of God. Like John, I really appreciate what, what you said that like that's been like instrumental in getting you through this. And so I can only imagine as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, like they know this, this edict, this like command, this instruction, and they know what the consequences are. So I can only imagine that these three dudes, like as, as they're like walking to go, you know, come face to face with Nebuchadnezzar, if, if they're thinking about some of these past stories. And I don't think it's a coincidence in this song that the very next line after another in the fire is there was another in the waters holding back the seas. You know, you see, because growing up, the, these three boys, they would have been told stories of their ancestors, of, of how when the Egyptian empire was trying to wipe out their people, trying to enslave them and trying to force them to forget their gods, that, that God raised up a prophet to rescue them. Uh, the, the story that's in reference to this of another holding back the waters, it's, it's, from, it's from Exodus chapter 14. It's like a thousand years before Daniel chapter three uh, that the nation of Israel was, they were leaving the Egyptian empire uh, after basically being like shoved out. Uh, you might remember Moses and the 10 plagues uh, that, that hit Israel. So, so they're, they're being like forced out. They're, they're, they're finally able to leave. Uh, and they come to this place the, the, the entire nation of Israel comes to this place uh, where, where they're, they're kind of stuck between the Red Sea uh, and then as they, they kind of get wind that this Egyptian army uh, that is still grieving the loss of their firstborn, like every single firstborn in the entire nation uh, of Egypt has all just been killed. That was the 10th plague uh, of Moses. And so they have this angry Egyptian empire, like army barreling down on them. They're stuck between that and, and the Red Sea. And so Moses follows the Lord's instructions. He raises up his staff over the waters. And, and then the entire nation of Israel crosses the Red Sea on dry ground. Like, can you even imagine that? Like, uh, like, I mean, just with like the kids, your neighbors, like thousands of other people, like, and there's these like big walls of water, like the fish and all that kind of stuff. And you get to see what's like on the bottom of, but then again, you have, you have this like angry army chasing you down. So they're probably not paying attention to too much of that stuff. And then like, just as like the, the nation of Israel crosses uh, the Red Sea, the Egyptian army is in the middle of it. And then God allows those walls of water to collapse. And the, the, the entire Egyptian army is wiped out. And really then at that point, the global reign of the Egyptian empire ends uh, in that moment. And it had begun like over 400 years earlier. I mean, God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel uh, is highlighted in such a dramatic way in this story. And, and this is just one of like hundreds and hundreds of stories that these boys, these Jewish boys would have been taught from childhood. So I can only imagine that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been reminding each other uh, of these stories, of God's, God's faithfulness. God's been faithful to their people, to the Israelites for over a thousand generations, that, that he can save us if he wants to. That, that for them, it's like, there's no difference between fire and water when it comes to, to God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. So, so God, God's faithfulness, like it's, it's not just a one-time thing, right? I mean, it's, it's over and over and over and over again. So John, a question for you, like how do you reconcile God's faithfulness when things don't go the way you want to. Because I have to imagine that for those of us that, that, that are listening, like that's probably rising up in our minds, right? Like, okay, but, but, but he died. 
but I, I got fired. But this, you know, and obviously you, you shared just a minute ago about that depression in, in your own life. How do you reconcile God's faithfulness, faithfulness with when things don't go the way you wanted them to? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a tough one uh, for sure. Uh, just thinking back to my, my story in the past few months, um, yeah, I mean, to say I was frustrated with God would be an understatement. Um, like, to, to be in a place where the thing you're most scared of is being alone with yourself. Like, what am I going to do if I'm alone with myself? Like, what's going what's gonna to happen to me? And really being frustrated by that. And I, I don't think God wishes harm upon anyone. Um, I don't know how any of that really works. But I know he uses it. And uh, in my story, at least, I don't know why that's what God had to use, but I saw his faithfulness through it, and I'm in a different place now. And uh, I think I was telling Josh this the other day, that like when I sing these songs now, it's totally different because I've seen his faithfulness in these moments. Like I've had the moments where it was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing I just kind of come back to is that I trust who he says he is, and I'm, I might just not understand. Like... Mm -hmm. I think it's in Isaiah. It talks about his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my mm -hmm. thoughts. Like, there's going to be stuff that I don't understand and, and why this person died or that person died, I might not ever understand on this side of eternity. But looking back on his past faithfulness, I trust who he says he is and I trust that he's using it for good and that he's working it for mm -hmm. good. So. Yeah, for sure. That's good. You know, there, there's, uh, there's this section in the book, uh, Beautiful Outlaw, uh, I know John in the the Gromla Grand Blank staff. We read this book uh, a couple months ago. Actually, I guess at this point, it was probably 18 months ago now. Uh, and Shay brought it up uh, last week. And uh, John Eldridge, the author, he, he talks about suffering and, and specifically like our, our, our perspective as Jesus followers when we're in the thick of it, when we're like right in the middle of the fire, we feel like stuff's crashing in around us. And I think maybe for us as Jesus followers, like there's a new way we can think about suffering in God's faithfulness. So, so check this out. It says, it says, your suffering is neither pointless nor isolated. Somehow, Jesus's sufferings overflow into our lives. Somehow, ours are linked to his. This is such a great honor. It grants our sorrows an incredible dignity. It invites us to know an intimacy and connection with Jesus in them because of them. The sufferings of Jesus are the noblest part of his story, the, the cross and the crown of thorns. What an unspeakable honor that he would share even this with us. This fellowship is a treasure that we have not tapped into, but one that we will need. Man. But when we're in the fire, when we, when we feel like, like life is just crumbling, I think it'd be helpful for us to remember that there's something more that's happening. So like, what does it really mean then for, for God to be faithful? And I think that question comes from like, what is the object of God's faithfulness? Because if, if the object of God's faithfulness is my happiness, then, then I think we've got this whole thing all messed up, all wrong. Uh, and so if we're gonna try and understand what, God's faithfulness is. We should probably look at what God says about that. Uh, so we're going to look at a couple different verses uh, that are written in the Bible. And this first one is from this guy named Paul. Uh, this is in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. And uh, th this, this letter, 2 Timothy, was actually written by Paul to a really, really young uh, pastor. And he, here's, what he, here's what he says. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful 
for he cannot disown himself. Like, like it's just who he is. Faithfulness is his character. Like God is faithful in the same way that I'm like a white Canadian that loves hockey. Like it just, it just is. Uh, and then Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. I want to read the, the whole verse this time. It says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. <laughs> uh, and, and it might seem like there's like a caveat there, right? But, but I, I think about that in the terms of like a parent, like there's consequences for disobedience, right? I know that he is for me. I know that like God died for me, so therefore he is for me. Like I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, John, I know even just from your story, like, I mean, you had 100% confidence that regardless of what you were going through, like, that he was there for you. He was for you the whole time. And uh, I, I know that for me, like, as a parent, I correct my kids because I love them. And in the same way, like, God corrects us because he loves us. This, this, other, this other letter, one more verse that Paul wrote, 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. That's a promise worth remembering. Uh, I, think that, I think that sometimes, especially in this country, uh, we have a tendency to project our country's values onto God. Hey, here's what I mean by that. Uh, I, I think that sometimes we've like internally like told ourselves and sometimes even like said this out loud uh, that, that we've come to believe that like God's faithfulness uh, means, means a promise of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then any time that that ever gets violated, like we point an angry finger up to God and we're like, God, like, like you, you've dropped the ball. You've been unfaithful to me. It's like, but, but he is faithful. Like it's his character. He, he can't be anything but faithful. I, I think that in those moments where we get like angry at God and start pointing the finger back at God, I, I think that maybe what we have to like check ourselves in those moments uh, is that we've actually got like the object of his faithfulness wrong. He's not required to be faithful to like my life, liberty, and the pursuit of my happiness. Like his faithfulness, as we saw in that passage in Deuteronomy, he's faithful to his covenant of love, a promise to be faithful to the relationship, a promise to draw us towards holiness, not happiness, but holiness. Holiness is what's best for us. Holiness is, is a return to how we were created, how we were intended to live. Uh, a life, a life with, with no sin, no wrong, no blemish. Like that's what's best for us. I, I, think the one, I think that one of the best things that we could do as Jesus followers in this age, in this country, is, is really to remember that the agenda of this country is so vastly different than the agenda of our like loving, kind, heavenly father. Uh, especially in light of everything that just happened this past Wednesday, uh, and uh, the, the agenda of, of our Father, it's so different that, than the agenda, both sides of the political spectrum. Uh, and as Jesus followers, it'd be really good for us to, to remember that. Um, Josh, I, I got a question for you. Like this U.S. empire, like it, it's really not a whole lot different than the Egyptian or the Babylonian empires of old. And it's so easy for us to, to get enslaved to these like false ideas of self-sufficiency and, and this like endless pursuit of accumulation. Like how does the faithfulness of God keep you focused against the backdrop of all these distorted desires that are everywhere? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's certainly right now, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting world that we live in. You know, it's definitely difficult and 
Um, you know, we're all going to face things. We're all going to have wants and desires, like you said. Uh, you know, uh, raising a family right now is is so difficult. Um, you know, I have a 13-year-old. Uh, she's in seventh grade, and then I have a seven-year-old, and uh, she's in second grade. And just the things that they face, mm-hmm. um, you know, in school and the, the different activities that they do, just so different than what I faced uh, growing up. Uh, but there's a great passage of scripture in James chapter one, and it, it talks about when we face trials in life, um, or when our faith is is tested, that it, it's going to produce perseverance, that it's going to make us stronger. And uh, I think when we when we think of God's faithfulness in light of the stories we've heard about today, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the Israelites, and the fact that God was faithful to them, and He's been faithful throughout all generations and throughout all of history, and He's going to continue being faithful to us today. And we know that we're going to face these difficult circumstances. But if we can trust God's faithfulness, then we can trust that we're going to be stronger and our faith is going to be stronger. Our relationship with him is going to grow in spite of what we're seeing happening around us. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so good. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. You know, I, I, I think in light of the fact uh, that these distorted desires, uh, especially as parents, I certainly appreciate that, that these distorted desires of this U.S. empire, they're, they're everywhere. I think that the last few lines uh, of the chorus of his song are even more powerful, where, where it says, and should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free? There's a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. There was another in the fire. And it's, it's always been Jesus, right? In the fire, in the waters, in our circumstances right now, but most importantly on the cross 2,000 years ago, paying the price for, for my sin, dying the death that I earned so that I could be free. Uh, and this morning we're, we're gonna celebrate this together in, in a symbolic act of, of his broken body and the blood that he shed uh, where, where we remember what Jesus did for us. Because the reality is that, that like, we really do need to be reminded, like, often. 